0: Lifelong health seeker, and I am so pleased to have you here. Let's get started. You're listening to episode 109 of Confidence from Within podcast, and as always, I am your host, Juliana Lehman. And in today's episode, my very special guest, Bonita Eby talks to me about burnout. And this was a fantastic conversation that I am very excited to share with you. Bonita explains to us what burnout actually is and how is it different than just high levels of stress. And I think that point of differentiation early on in the episode is very crucial. And I'm very excited that we actually got to cover that. We also talk about what are the different signs for you to be watching for, especially for somebody like me that is accustomed to producing a lot under a lot of pressure? I've always been a high performing type A personality, especially through my corporate years. And a lot of that, you know, comes in the form of extra stress in the body. We also discussed the different types of rest. And there's a bit of an oversimplification that rest simply is going to bed and getting a good night of sleep. So she really goes over the different types and offers lots of very practical tips or things you can easily start to implement to start to see results. So, go- so, so good. So let me properly introduce you to Bonita before you jump into the episode. Bonita Eby is a burnout prevention strategist and owner of Breakthrough Personal and Professional Development, Inc., specializing in burnout prevention and wellness for organization and individuals at the intersection of health and leadership development. Bonita is on a mission to end burnout. Here is Bonita. Hello, Bonita, and welcome to the show today. I am very pleased to have you on today. Welcome. Thank you for having me here today. Yes, and I'd like to get started by asking all our guests to define what does confidence mean to you?
1: I think the other guests have said a similar thing. But for me, it's feeling comfortable in my own skin, being able to stand up and feel that my voice is my voice. It's authenticity.
0: Yeah, I love that. And that is so I'd say it's so important. And it's something that so many people are craving nowadays, right? Like I think with the explosion of social media and the ability to show up with podcasts and YouTube and things, all these new media sources so much. I think you've given so many people, right, the the space to really show themselves and also to have to contemplate stepping up to the spotlight. So I love that. Thank you so much for your perspective on it. And as a burnout expert, I'm very Excited to talk to you about this today. It is not actually a topic that we discussed on the podcast. So you're the first. so <laughs> Welcome. And I would like to start, you know, at the beginning by what is your definition of burnout? And how is that different than stress?
1: Great question, Juliana. Stress is actually what causes burnout if it is not taken care of. So according to the World Health Organization, burnout is a result of chronic workplace stress that has been unsuccessfully managed. And that does not mean there's blame involved. What Mm -hmm. that means is that, that there are systems and processes in place that don't give the kind of supports that are needed. And even for companies, I I work with amazing organizations who truly want to change their systems. Sometimes it's just simply not having the data, which I help them with, the quantitative data to understand what
0: are the system issues that we have. Once we have the data, then we can make changes. Mm, Yeah, no, that's very interesting. And in terms of that, so say, you know, somebody is starting to, and I know we're going to talk some specifics that you have in terms of things to look for. But what are maybe some early signs that somebody would you know start to watch for as they are maybe feeling quite stressed and not sure if they're kind of getting near that burnout zone?
1: Mm-hmm. The first and foremost symptom of burnout is exhaustion. Now the tricky piece is that you can have exhaustion from all kinds of medical issues. Right. I come I come from healthcare, so I'm very mm-hmm. very aware of that. Mm-hmm. But when you find that there's a combination of exhaustion. And starting to feel a little bit cynical about your work, as in perhaps you feel like you're not getting the supports you need. You're trying to talk to your boss, but maybe you don't feel psychologically safe to admit what is going on, or you're concerned that you'll lose your job. That's another symptom that you can notice when it's combined with with the exhaustion. And then the third thing to notice is when your productivity is going down, even though you're likely putting in more hours and picking up the phone on the weekends. Mm-hmm. And yet
0: you're producing less. Interesting. Do you find as well, and I'm thinking it from my own lens as my own perspective, <laughs> um, do you find it possibly too, it could be, let's just say I'm labeling myself a little bit like a you know, type a personality, somebody that always has so many things <laughs> on the go. And I would say for me, like I was so accustomed to producing high, at high levels and there's so much stress that I thought it, when I experienced burnout, and this is late oh, mid 2017, when I went through my four months uh, mm. of recovery, at that time, I couldn't quite, even with the knowledge I have, science knowledge, right? I couldn't quite tell that that's what was really sort of culminating to because I was so accustomed to producing a such, you know, high pressure and high levels of stress. Do you find that that is the case with some of the leaders that you work with? It is incredibly insidious. And research shows that the typical
1: person who burns out in any organization is the organization's top performers. It is the person who gives so much because they care incredibly. It's not the person who clocks in and out and says, oh, I'm getting a paycheck. It's a person who says, I believe in what I'm doing. I want to produce the best work. And they push and they push. The other thing that's on that, Juliana, is that there are many stages to burnout. Mm-hmm. I categorize it the same as Stanford University does that there are six mm-hmm. uh, stages of burnout and typically what we talk about, um, in society is the last stage. So we're talking about when people are going to the hospital, we're talking about when people can actually no longer get up in the morning physically. And I'm not talking about depression. I'm talking about not having the physical reserves to get up and, and do what you need to take care of your kids, all of those kinds of things. But there are stages. And when we can catch it in the early stages, We can take care of it so quickly. And that's why I love working with, again, organizations and leaders to prevent it and recover from the early stages, especially.
0: Yeah, that's very fascinating. And it's so true. And I think it's very aligned with my whole holistic perspective Mm -hmm. on prevention, right, of no matter what it is that we're looking at it's so much easier to do something about it early on and i fell for my case because he wasn't necessarily caught (laughs) um but i still had such a wonderful um medical doctor that i was working with like my family physician at that time and he was truly caring and he said if this is because he wasn't um you know he's his fibromyalgia which i was eventually Mm. diagnosed with a chronic fatigue like we weren't sure and he said, if this, and then I did go on a, a four-month medical even, he said, if you don't take this chance now to heal, we're probably going to be looking at something a lot more severe, you know, later on. So he was such a proactive team player. No, not everybody has, right? The same, mm-hmm. no special experience that I did, but he was, I attribute him, and I even talk about him in my book. <laughs> I attribute him, that one specific medical doctor to a big part of catching it, even though late- but soon enough, right? So I could actually make a pretty good recovery. Yeah. That's incredible. It makes all the
1: difference when you have people in your, on your team who truly care. It's so much more important than just knowledge or just the research or just the evidence.
0: It's also someone who, who brings the humanity to the table. Exactly. And I think I was always, you know, kind of like a little, like full disclosure, like a little worried because I didn't want to just be put on all these medications and things. I could live by my principles Mm -hmm. of prevention comes first. And I was almost afraid I didn't catch it early enough, if that makes sense. Uh Right. But, you know, he knew me and, you know, he was, I was in his care for quite some time and he was really attentive to that part specifically. And we were able to work a plan that I was comfortable with but still under medical supervision. So I think that was just like a very positive experience, if I may say. And because I did go through surgery in 2012, like spinal Mm -hmm. surgery, I had a very positive experience before, you know, with the medical system meeting my holistic world perfectly. (laughs) So that was like the second evidence that it is possible that, you know, there's many different ways, right, to get to a good solution for that. Uh, so yeah, so just wanted to mention a total side note that I wasn't necessarily planning on sharing today. It's a beautiful <laughs> message to share. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. Somebody so one more question in terms, first of all, this definition piece. So say like you mentioned different stages, and yes, like you work on the organization level, but from like a, you know, personal level, so say mm-hmm. somebody is a leader, and just like, feeling differently, you know, stress is high, but like in my case, accustomed to being under stress. Like what would be some of the things that we should be watching for to know, okay, we need to get, you know, help outside of, you know, the internet and outside of Google? (laughs) Good question with that,
1: because honestly, there is so much Im- misinformation out there. Exactly. As a matter of fact, yesterday, I was speaking with the University of Toronto Faculty of Medicine. And so I'm among medical doctors and paramedics and nurses and anesthesiologists, and it goes on. You can't pull that on them because they know. They know the evidence. and And it's just so critically important for us to be talking about what is real because yeah. pre-pandemic, burnout was something that we didn't talk about it was taboo now one of the wonderful things the pandemic did was it opened up the conversation which I'm yeah. always I'm always open to when we can expose the truth of what is going on so I'm a big fan of that but what's <laughs> happened now is we've we've labeled everything as burnout you see a frog oh it's burnout. Right. Mm. <laughs> So it's important to know. So I'll, I'll name a couple of things to watch for. Um, there there are six factors that research show contribute to uh, burnout in the workplace. And so they are overwhelming workload, a lack of control. So a lack of autonomy, mm-hmm. a lack of reward, a lack of community. Or connection, mm-hmm. a lack of fairness. And that's oftentimes mm-hmm. where equity issues come in and yeah. conflict of values. And so that sounds a little bit nebulous, but I will say that there is a free resource that I have on my website at mm-hmm. www.breakthrough.ca. So that is mm-hmm. breakthrough.ca mm-hmm. and um, with, with a dash. The resource is called Burnout Assessment and it includes 11 different categories, including those six factors that create burnout, as well as the five different areas in which it shows ramifications of burnout on our personal health. Because even though burnout is a workplace issue, It's those things in the workplace creating the burnout. Oftentimes, it's the way that it affects our personal health, our physical, mental, emotional, relational, and spiritual health that we start to notice that something is wrong. It's when we can't be there for our kids or Mm -hmm. for our spouse or for our friends. It's when we find that we're short with people and we're thinking, wow, I'm not like that. Oftentimes, it's those ramifications Mm -hmm. that that give the red flags. So that burnout assessment is free on my website. It's right on the homepage. You can't miss it. (laughs) Anybody
0: can download it. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for that resource and that explanation. Those six factors are actually, you know, very like as I'm listening to them all, I can tell specifically which ones apply to me. I think they're like very clear and excellent because it is not the same for everyone, right? And very much like you said, that there's such an oversimplification now, and that's just like a a label that's so vastly used. And I think that's why I asked that initial question of what is the difference between that and stress? Because people just mm-hmm. are just kind of like overlabeling it, and anytime we oversimplify science we usually miss the point right <laughs> and that's what I've been saying for like 11 years And <laughs> you oversimplify you're true? gonna miss the point yeah it's because then it becomes an opinion rather than an actual thing right so um so no, that is wonderful thank you so much for that and I think too like when I was clear ish at that time what was really the emotional root cause for me what was leading to you know Mm -hmm. some of those things which came in the healing process after when I was on the medical leave I think that was sort of the gateway for me to really re you know rediscover myself what was important to me I did make the decision eventually to you know exit the corporate world but I know it doesn't have to be that path for me it was just like a seeking of fulfillment and I found that you know through different ways and now, you know, full-time in my business for a few years. But um, I think it is so important and I love those six uh, different things that you shared. So thank you. Hey there. Have you heard of my new book, Release? A Woman's Guide to Releasing Weight in Midlife to Becoming a Body's Best Friend? If not, go to naturallyjoyous.ca slash book or click the link in the show notes below to learn more and to see if this is the right book for you. I wrote this book for women to read before your next diet. And this is not a book about weight loss, another diet trend, or a magical solution you have not tried yet. This is instead a rebellion against hating our bodies and trying to change who we are. Together, we will release all that no longer serves you so you can get the body you want and make midlife the best and healthiest years of your life. I cannot wait for you to get the book. So go to naturallyjoyous.ca book to learn more. Now back to the episode. Now let's go to the practical side of things. So one of the things that, you know, I was excited to bring you on to talk about is rest It is a topic that I myself have huge interest in, And we're not talking about rest as in, oh, just get better sleep. Like we're talking a much deeper and like you are in the work on this topic is so deep and I think so important. So let's get started by telling us what are the different types of rest that there are? And then let's talk through each one of them. Mm-hmm. Great. For So the first one is physical
1: rest. And that's what we tend to think about when we talk about rest. Then there's mental rest, which includes sensory rest. And of course, because we have all of this technology around us all the time, we need that more than ever. Yes. Emotional rest, which can include recreation or creative rest, relational
0: or social rest, and professional rest. Mm, I love that. So interesting, but I'll just make a quick like re- uh, connection here because a lot of the work I do with women that listen to this podcast on weight release and mm-hmm. achieving that inner power as opposed to trying to get, you know, change the body from an external way. We always look at the connection between weight and all those essentially similar five years of life. So I love how you're breaking rest in the same areas that I talk about on a regular basis, because I think it would be so easy for them to correlate, oh, for this area, you know, these are the different things that I can look for. So I'm very excited (laughs) for going through them. So let's get started with physical health, which like you said, is what most people associate with resting. Uh, So tell us more about it. Sure.
1: Well, physical rest, we all need it. We all know that we need lots and lots of rest we need we need to have good sleep for many people that's elusive and especially throughout the pandemic with people working at home and yes. And hybrid work and all of these kinds of things. It, just because our boundaries have not been there quite the same, more people have had troubles with getting the sleep they need. So it's one of those things we're just so aware we need, but, but difficult to get it. There's actually a blog on my website around how to get better sleep. Then there's also the, the basic things that we hear, um, in, in magazines and on the news and everything else so, or, and that you teach, Juliana, right? Yeah, about, yeah. about eating in a way that nourishes our bodies. I mean, that that's that's everything from making sure that we're eating food that that takes care of us and rejuvenates us. But also we get physical rest when our liver doesn't have to overwork. Yes, there's there's that component, Mm -hmm. too. And then stretching and exercising, rejuvenating ourselves. And mm-hmm. sometimes we're in a place where the physical rest we need means doing softer exercise like yoga or going yeah. for a walk. And other times we can rest after going for a really great run. I used to marathon. So I mm-hmm. that that's a
0: piece. You don't get rest while you're marathoning, but you do afterwards. Yeah, that's wonderful. And a couple of things I wanted to mention, Marina, that came mm-hmm. to mind, as you were saying, um, you know, on the food side of things, right? Mm-hmm. Like I always like to talk to people about looking for the sustainable forms of energy rather mm-hmm. than the coffees and the sugars, you know, and the, you know, more sort of short term, like quick gain, but no real long term benefits your health types of energy producing foods and drinks. And there is a huge correlation right between that and our ability to sleep, of course, um, so for somebody that say is on a very fast paced lifestyle, no you know, mm-hmm. stress at work, you know, doing the donuts and that are in the kitchen, kitchen at work, or even at home and tons of coffee, what are some, you know, things for them to maybe consider from the pronounced perspective um, that you like to recommend? Sure, I agree with you that anything
1: is going to give us a sustained energy rather than those quick bursts. Because every time there's a quick burst, there's also a quick dip, or a crash. Yeah, <laughs> right. And just for authenticity's sake, I don't usually share this publicly, but I lost fifty pounds in my life. So this is this is not something I'm just talking about. This is something that I live. Yes. Um so one of the things I love to do is is I will juice. Now, because we don't want to have that crash, I make sure I juice things that do not have sugar. So celery, incredible wow. amount of of energy and nutrients and that kind of thing. It takes me three minutes in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um smoothies where you can pack in all kinds of nutrition you could take it to work with you yeah. lots of just cut up fruits and vegetables we're, we're lucky that um, especially when you live urbanly or suburbanly, there's lots of restaurants and takeout places now that that really cater to having healthy meals whether that's salads quinoa, um, whether whether you enjoy having meat or you're vegetarian, there, there's all kinds of different options. So just having whole foods. Again, it's the same message we hear over and over again. Yeah. We just have to make it simple. So I often freeze meals. I'll make large mm-hmm. meals. There's just two of us in my home and I will freeze leftovers and make sure I've just got that for, for other lunches.
0: It makes it so much easier and it means I don't pick up the cookie. <laughs> exactly right or skip the breakfast and all those you know habits that yes when life is busy becomes kind of the easy choices so preparation is absolutely key the other thing i wanted to mention too on the physical health before we move to mental Mm -hmm. is uh exercise that you mentioned right Mm -hmm. and i find for myself and i've identified this over some trial and error that if my mind is actively thinking about work any later than 8 30 8 45 that's like my cutoff. Those are the only nights I don't sleep well that I just have, like my brain is almost like literally making to-do lists. I'm a list maker in bed, in the dark, wishing that I was asleep. So what has become, if I have, you know, busier times, like now with, you know, publishing my book and things that I'm working a little later, what my husband and I do is that we go for a, you know, brisk walk late at night, 8.30, 9 p.m. in the neighborhood, just as and just that brisk walk, which is not as exercise, makes it all the different. I think I process, you know, what I'm kind of like trying to stop working and thinking about. And we have amazing sleep after that, right? So it's just like moving the body to, you know, process whatever stuck energy or emotions that I'm kind of like contemplating at that moment. So I just wanted to share that as that is my newest hack, like the late night walks uh, in our neighborhood. <laughs>
1: Well, that's a perfect segue into mental health because I'm a big believer that sometimes we just need to get out of our heads and into our bodies.
0: Yes. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So let's talk more about that. Like that's so beautiful. And I'm often talking to people about the people talk a lot a lot about mind body and mm-hmm. you know the body-mind, which is essentially also what you're saying, is also very important. And I think we usually think of it one way, right? But when you really embody your emotions and you pay attention to the physical side of you and how it impacts your emotional mental health, it's the the body-mind, like to complete the loop. I think that's when you get a real big picture benefit of the whole experience. So talk to us about what does rest look like in terms of our mental capacities? Mm-hmm. I do first want to say
1: that that you're absolutely right. And that's you come from healthcare. So of course you understand that but there's a huge biofeedback link in our bodies. Mm-hmm. And we've all we tend to think of, of it going one way. But even if you take a look at the largest nerve or the um the nerve that, that has the most capacity to affect our organ system, the vagus nerve, mm-hmm. it gives m- as much information to our brains as our brains do to our bodies Mm -hmm. so it we're just so connected so when it comes to mindfulness there's there's a couple of things i'll touch on one is exactly what you were talking about shutting off our brains at night and one there there are a few ways that that i like talk about that first um I totally understand what it's like to go to bed. And all of a sudden that to-do list comes into my head. And I call it squirrels running around in my brain. <laughs> you know how they run around a tree? That's what it feels yeah. like to me. There's just all these squirrels and they just won't stop. And so one of the things I, I train leaders to do is about an hour before bed, sit down in a quiet place have a journal in front of you. It's best to do this analog, not Mm -hmm. on some type of screen, (laughs) and literally try to go into mindfulness. And I'm a big fan of mindfulness, but most people find it a challenge. And I say, oh, no, no, no. That challenge is perfect. Because Mm -hmm. what you can do now is as soon as you're quiet, those squirrels are going to come. All of those those mental notes are going to come. Write them down. It sounds so simple. And yet neurologically, As we write them, our brains believe we did something about them. It's (laughs) when our brains think that we haven't done anything yet that they are conditioned naturally to continue to bring that back over and over again. So when we write them down and get them out of our brains and onto that paper, we can rest. Our brains go, Oh, Mm -hmm. I can rest. Our brains don't actually want to do this to us, they just want to make sure we don't get hurt Mm -hmm. for
0: survival. Yes. Okay. So thank you so much for that explanation. Uh, I have never heard this angle before, and that explains a lot about myself (laughs) personally. And I'll add a quick little tangent here. And this is not something that I do necessarily look only at night, but I am a, um, I would say extreme user or post-it notes (laughs) in like significant colors and amounts and shapes and sizes. And I have, Binders and binders and notebooks and notebooks of all the different projects that I'm currently working Mm -hmm. on. And it's so interesting. The wording that I use for myself is my ideas parking lot. And Mm -hmm. I literally write it by hand. It has to be by hand. I I also have files that I save and screenshot, but I rarely really go back to them. Just makes my heart feel content. But it's my hand notes. My mind, if I close my eyes beneath, I can actually see, okay, for this topic, it's the green one that I had the little purple thing on the top because I'm very visual, but it's incredible. Like I experienced exactly what you said. As I'm writing them, it downloads to my mind. My mm. mind is feels safe. That information not going to be lost or forgotten, right? It takes down that stress level. And when I close that binder and I move on to the other project, my mind literally switches with no attachments to that. And I feel, I, I never knew scientifically why that was, that it worked for me, but it's what you said. It's the brain accepts that something was done about it, right? And it feels complete. I feel safe. And it moves on. That works 100% uh, proven. <laughs> I think that a big piece
1: of what we're dealing with in our society today is sensory. We need to have sensory right. rest. Because we're on, not everybody, it depends on what your your job is, what your role is. But for many of us, we are on computers night and day. Yeah. For our jobs, and even for those of us who um, do not have jobs that were meant to be in front of a computer, they are now, just because of the time that we're in. And many things have gone that way. And then what do people do as soon as they go home? They pull out their phone and they scroll yeah. They text, they get the phone calls. Well, of a certain age, we get phone calls. <laughs> <laughs> but there's there's this constant thing. Then they turn on the Netflix and then they read something on their their cell yeah. phone at night. And our eyes are taking in all this information. They become tired. Of course, our optical nerve, um, which is part of our brain. Is what goes to our eyes, and so it's just mm-hmm. working constantly. On top of that, there is there's blue light that's coming into our mm-hmm. bodies. There's the constant stimulation. It's not natural, and so th- while technology is so incredibly helpful for us to have a bit of a of a fast from sensory stimulation every day, mm-hmm. can not only give us mental rest, but it will contribute toward that physical, and even emotional rest that we're going to come to next.
0: Yeah, that's wonderful. Thanks so much for adding that. And it's so incredibly true. I think from the time that the alarm clock often in people's cell phones go off, right? Until basically before going to bed, it's such a large number of hours that wasn't true before. One of the things that I've been doing more and more is that anytime that, you know, my husband and I go out for something for a drive and things, I leave my phone at home and We usually have one phone, like his phone, just for safety, right? Like the car breaks down or something, but I take physical breaks from a phone. And then I notice that say he goes into a store and I, you know, stay in the car for five minutes, the urge to check it and that's why I don't have it on purpose but it's almost like what do I do with myself now <laughs> you know for three minutes right so it took a while until I got accustomed to enjoying the quiet and just having some thoughts and just you know as opposed to immediately the moment we have the two seconds in a line or in a drive-thru or whatever to go for the phone right so I find that's, mm-hmm. it's a fascinating topic that I really enjoy. Mm -hmm.
1: We could park out there all day and talk about dopamine and serotonin, but let's move on to emotional.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Maybe we can do a a part two episode and we can talk about that. (laughs) Hey there, are you a woman over 40 who wants to release excess weight, but keep self-sabotaging your progress? If you are tired of all the, all you need is more willpower advice, then I created just a free training for you. Set aside 60 minutes today and I promise you, it will be worth your time. I will go over the three main mindset shifts you need to make if you want to release weight for good, which does not rely on willpower. I will review to you why the strategies that worked in your twenties and thirties don't seem to work anymore. And I will also show you which hormones play a big role and to release once we turn 40 and beyond. This is a value-packed masterclass, and it is for you if you want to discover my step-by-step system to help you regain your energy, get rid of cravings, and get back into alignment with your body. And of course, drop some pounds too. All you have to do is go to naturallyjoyous.ca slash free training to watch this on-demand masterclass or just send me a DM on Instagram for the link at naturally.joyous. So again, it is naturallyjoyous.ca slash free training. So yeah, so tell me about emotional, the next type of rest. I know emotional
1: rest is just so necessary because we have our emotions being pulled all day long and now of course it depends on on what kind of job that you're in i my husband's in engineering he probably has less emotional taxation on him than maybe frustration but not <laughs> he's not working with people all day long right for for those of us who are working with people there's there's that emotional cost there's mm-hmm. that Wonderful joy of working with people. But as you know, when you are helping people and you're in a space of, of becoming a safe person, people see you as psychologically safe or you're dealing with a topic like burnout or you yeah. think of doctors and nurses or anybody who is in a nonprofit and they're giving of themselves to a project that they deeply care about, It's there's an emotional tax And all of that is wonderful. All we need is to have the rest that comes after that for us to have resilience. But we're not used to doing that. We think, oh, I'm so tired. So we go and lie down. But oftentimes, we actually just need to give ourselves emotional rest. So there's there's a few ways that we can do that. One is, again, around media, Mm -hmm. deciding not to go and check the news 20 times in a day. There's nothing to to stimulate our fight, flight, or freeze system, (laughs) like watching the news. And of course, I want to stay informed. I read five newspapers on the weekend, but I tend to stay away from them most of the time during the week, just because I need to have that psychological or or emotional rest. Yeah. Um, Make sure you don't check work emails after hours. Um, there There can be some help in listening to music. They have positive emotive notes to them. Um, Being able to listen to something that uplifts you as opposed to making you sad. Now, for some people, they like the emotional release of of the sadness. So I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying whatever you need, give it as opposed to just putting on something that's going to pump you up again when really what you needed was to wind down. Another big piece around emotional rest that can help us tremendously is, is creative or recreative rest. So creative is being able to put your emotions into creating something. And for some people, that's going to be creating a beautiful meal at the end of the day. For some people, it's going to be painting. For some people, it's moving their body, like doing yoga or being in a forest and seeing the beauty or a sunset. We're often so separated from those things that bring us awe.
0: And, And there
1: are a few things that can restore us emotionally, like experiencing
0: awe. I love it. So beautiful. And it's so true. Those are very good practical things that people can start to see what resonates with them. I think that's very important as well, right? Out of all those different strategies and tools, I think it's so much harder. Like I've tried this so many times before as part of my own you know, research and experiments of trying To do things that, you know, sound good, but it's not intrinsically what my body's craving Mm. and the successor. So for example, I'll give a specific example. So if exercising, if I was forcing a specific type versus going for the brisk walk, I would procrastinate and not be as satisfied with the one I'm forcing on versus the one that I deeply enjoy. Right. And as you're giving those examples, I think it's very important for people listening to saying okay I love X y and Z and therefore it becomes easier to implement them right especially mm-hmm. if you're talking about people with very busy schedules for me like out of the different things you said one of the real I'd say, you know, emotional triggers for me as well as commerce is my environment. So Mm -hmm. if my workspace is really clean and organized and physically my millions of post-it notes, like if there's great order to it and it doesn't happen just on Sundays, it's random times a week that I feel I need a little refresh and it just brings down all those sort of like deep emotions and I feel organized, Mm-hmm. I feel a peace, right? So for me, that's one of them. I working on my physical environment and, you know, making it pretty and decor and all those things just plays a huge role in my emotional capacity even to continue to show up and serve. So I think finding what is resonating, right, with you and then, you know, going it, I think is probably the, the best way to pick out of this whole list, which ones. Yeah. That's wonderful. <laughs> And then moving to number four, what is the fourth type of rest that we have? Relational rest
1: or social
0: rest. This is making sure
1: that we have time with people that we care about. Now, I'm very cognizant that not everybody has a family. So I don't want people to shut down who are thinking, oh, she's not talking to me because I don't have a spouse. Nope, not at all. This applies to everyone, whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you have kids, where you, whatever the situation um just simply making sure that in some way that you have connection and this has been extremely difficult for many people throughout yeah. the pandemic and depending on the community and especially in in some where they're really experiencing quite a bit of crisis still um it it's been even heightened beyond what some of us can imagine so we need to get creative with that mm-hmm. there's the basic things like having a meal with one another and I know that in today's world, it's unusual to hear about families having a meal together. But if you can even try to schedule three meals a week where you're having it together and instead of making it a job, can you, can you cook together or can you, um, at, at least have a conversation over a meal, make sure that there's no phones out, that kind of thing and, and actually have a conversation. Everyone who has teenagers right now is rolling their mm-hmm. eyes and <laughs> I get that, but how can you create connection yeah then for for those of of you who are going home on your own there's many ways to have connection too there's there's picking up the phone there's i know that zoom again is going to be online but there's still being able to connect you still get to see eye to eye there's and and for people who who don't have that can you volunteer i can't tell you how many people sit in a nursing home, or retirement home who crave being with people and they would just love to have you come and be with them and you get to speak and that kind of thing. So, so think outside of the box. And lastly, I'd say on that, it is incredible. And even the research shows that being with a pet, being with an animal, just that physical touch, that emotive release, that relational experience of being with an animal is profound. So if you find yourself in a place where you don't get to talk with people, don't think it's the end of the line for you. There's many different ways to be able to experience this as much as we all
0: deeply desire to be with people yeah absolutely i love that and we're we're hardwired for connection right it's Mm -hmm. just part of being humans but i know from growing up in a family that adores animals like all of us except my sister are dog lovers my sister is a cat lover but you know it really doesn't matter like which family member i think of and picture their pets like the amount of unconditional love that we see from all those pets like has always been something even from a young like age i've always notice that. It's almost like this, you know, source of love that you can count on, right? It's always there waiting for you. And I know dogs are more, you know, physically affectionate, right? But um, then, you know, maybe birds and cats and things, but I think it is a very, you know, doable solution. It's something that so many people I think even during the pandemic, you know, became pet owners, right? Because of that need of connection and, and so on. So I love that tip. It speaks directly to my heart. And I know we have one more type of rest. So right now we talked about physical rest, mental, mental rest, emotional rest, uh, relational rest. And what is the final uh, out of your five types of categories for rest? The last is professional rest, right? And this
1: is a topic we could talk hours on. So let me just give a couple of quick points on this. Mm-hmm. One is making clear boundaries for yourself. When do I work? When do I not work? Mm-hmm. It's very easy to have work creep. So, work creeping into every part of our lives. Again, first thing in the morning. Oh, I recommend nobody pick up their phone as the first thing they do. Please <laughs> don't do that <laughs> unless you're on call and it. And 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 Danes, you don't want to do that. Give yourself some emotional rest before that. Yeah. Um, make sure that you know what time you you turn off. Now, I work with all kinds of healthcare professionals who are on call twenty four hours a day, or paramedics, mm-hmm. or that kind of thing. So you have to figure out when can you have that that rest, that separation from work for you. And there are strategies around that. We won't walk into all the organizational strategies because this is more on personal today um but may if you're having trouble with that if you say you know what i'd like to make boundaries that sounds like a dream it's impossible for me talk to your boss talk to your manager ask for very clear expectations it, you know my experience is that there are there are two basic types of people in the world there are people who when they do not know the expectation they will they will do less than necessary and then a report comes back, and it turns out that they didn't they didn't get a very good mark, and then that causes them distress. Then there's the other people, and I have a feeling you and I fit into this yeah, category. Yeah, definitely. And <laughs> if there's no expectations or they're not clear, we overachieve because we're thinking that the mark that we're trying to hit is way higher Absolutely. than maybe – Um, a manager or a supervisor might expect. So asking for very clear expectations and then having a conversation if they don't feel manageable. This is again, where that burnout assessment can come in. If you can show, Hey, it's actually in this area where I keep having troubles. If we can, if we can um, provide some solutions in this, I think that I can hit my targets. I encourage everyone to have an end-of-day routine. It used to be that at the end of the day you hop in your car or you walk home and you have some time to decompress. Great, I'm grateful not to have to have the commute, but then we need to have some type of built-in system that says I am done. So we are creatures of habit. So perhaps that means closing the laptop. Mean maybe it means closing your door <laughs> yes it, if you work from home it might mean um, making sure that you get a little bit of exercise right after work and before people say I don't have time for that I got to pick up my kids or whatever it is that can be three minutes mm-hmm. that can be a quick little walk that can be some push-ups that mm-hmm. can be wh- whatever works for you just a signal to your brain oh we're at that time today. We're just so physical um, that, that again, we have that biofeedback link. Um, so, so do that. Listen to music. Turn off your notifications if at mm-hmm. all possible. Have some type of routine that says, ah, oh, I am done. I know that it's not cut and dry all the time, but to have something that in general works mm-hmm. and make all the difference.
0: Absolutely. That is excellent, Bernita. Like, I really loved how it's all broken down. It's so... Important, and I think what I'd say for me personally, like the most important part of all the different takeaways, is the intentionality that now we can all have about all those five areas, right? To really, you know, get to the, end of the day and see did I actually pay attention to all those five areas or even say the next morning, right? Like and do a little bit of a self-assessment every day. Mm-hmm. If they find any time that we bring focus to something, that's when we can transform it, right? So I'm for sure going to be looking at us very differently going forward after this conversation with you. So thank you so much. And before we close, I would love for you to let our listeners know, you know, talk about again, the assessment as well as where can we find you online? Great. Well, again, my name is Bonita Eby, and I'm the owner
1: of Breakthrough Personal and Professional Development Inc., specializing in burnout prevention and wellness for organizations and individuals at the intersection of healthcare and leadership development. My website is www.break-through.ca. So it's Breakthrough. With a dash, yes. and again, there is a free burnout assessment right on the homepage as a blue button you can't miss, and that can be used for for personal health and and burnout prevention. But it can many 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 organizations across Canada and into the states are using this across the entire organization, whether it's corporate, municipal, um, or or nonprofits. Many are using it and finding that it is making a difference to their culture that's wonderful
0: thank you again and i'm gonna make sure to put all the links in the show notes as well for people to be able to quickly go in there and click uh thank you for your time today i really enjoy our conversation and i hope to see you on the podcast again in the future for part two (laughs) thank Thank you, you juliana thank you so much for listening to confidence from within if you enjoyed this episode